Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. Good morning. Good afternoon to the mainland. Good evening to England and Europe and other parts. Nice to be with you. Michael Benner with the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School now for the next 25 minutes or so. And then for those who have enrolled, the premium training where we go into depth on our subject for the day today, which is the sacred trinity, sometimes called the uh, causative triangle or the triangle of manifestation. We're going to talk, in other words, about the threeness of things in metaphysics and mysticism. I think, uh, especially in the West, where such a high percentage of the population is Christian, there's been plenty of exposure to the Trinity in the sense of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or Catholics sometimes will say Father, Son, Holy Ghost, which to me was always sort of spooky, especially at Halloween time. But uh, that's really a reference to a very old Trinity, Father, Son, and Mother. In fact, as you've heard me say in the past, matter, as in material, or the material world, matter is a derivation of mater, Latin for mother. So father spirit, mother matter, is an ancient polarity. And the idea that there's a son or a daughter, an offspring, that stands between spirit and matter, that would correspond to consciousness, gives rise even to Einstein's theories, where he basically, with the equation E equals MC squared, said that the universe is made up of energy and particles. And energy and mass, or spirit and matter, if you will, are the only two forms of reality. But the third element, the son, if you will, or the daughter, the offspring of spirit and matter, is the consciousness, the awareness, or the sentience that uh, living beings are aware of themselves. And so this would be a very important third element. It's not clear that uh, material objects that we think of as inorganic or not alive have their consciousness, you know, like a, a brick or a rock we don't usually think of as being conscious. Although there are many people, philosophers and mystics and others, who say, well, even the mineral kingdom is conscious, but in a very different way than the plant kingdom, which has its awareness of self on a very different level than the animal kingdom. And then the human kingdom is part of the animal kingdom, or if you wish, standing above the animal kingdom, has its own even more developed sense of awareness. So spirit matter consciousness, father, mother, son, is an ancient trinity. This goes back actually to the beginning of recorded history in Egypt, where there is a uh, space alien or a god that comes out of the sky named Osiris, who marries um, his sister, interestingly, sort of a sister-wife, Isis, and they have a son, uh, an offspring, Horus. So in order, father, son, mother, in the ancient Egyptian trinity is 
Osiris, Horus, and Isis. And many Christians have pointed this out, and that the story of Horus is parallel to the story of Jesus in many ways. So the threeness of things is as old as recorded history. We have the same thing in Eastern philosophy, of course, in Buddhism and Hinduism. Buddhism is often represented, in fact, by a circle with three smaller circles inside, representing Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Buddha would be the ultimate consciousness. The Dharma is the teachings, or the law, and the Sangha is the community, or the fellowship. Indeed, to become a Buddhist, one is often advised to say, I take refuge in the Sangha, the community. I take uh, refuge in the Dharma, which is the teachings, the principles, and I take refuge in the Buddha. That's all that's necessary to uh, become so-called a Buddhist. This threeness crops up over and over, and uh, that's really what we're going to look at in depth in the premium training at 1.30, just a few minutes from now. But I want to give you some exposure to it, because it really is fascinating. It's the idea that you can't really have any kind of polarity or duality uh, without a middle aspect. There's always a center to things. And the mysteries of mysticism are in the middle. The secrets are always in the center. Uh, the very word heart and soul refer to the center of things. Uh, the symbol for oneness in many cultures is a circle with a dot in the center of it. What a beautiful reference to the oneness, uh, the totality of things. And we're going to talk about the one, the two, and the three. The difference between the separative one and the unitive one. Separative one, it's a funny use of the word. This one, or that one, or the other one. And yet the same word, one, can mean a totality, the whole one, or all one. I think it's also interesting that the word alone, if broken apart, is all one, meaning you're never really alone. <laughs> Once you understand there's only one thing ultimately at work in the universe, that spirit and matter and even this third element, consciousness, is part of one thing. So in religion, the one God is broken into a trinity based on God's will, God's love, and God's activity in the material world. That will, love, and intelligent activity, will, love, and action, has a lower correspondence in human beings which is our ability to think, our emotional nature, and our behavior and physicalness. And this is referred to, really, when Catholics make the sign of the cross and they touch their forehead in the name of the Father, they touch their hearts in the name of the Son, 
and they touched their shoulders in the name of the mother, the Holy Spirit, they call it, or the mother aspect, the mater, the material world. So I think that's where all of this has to begin, is if you can stretch your brain a little bit and begin to consider the lower and higher turn of the spiral, the idea that there are correspondences that may reflect profoundly on the statement that we are in the image of the Most High, that what creator manages to exclude itself from its creation. And that, of course, would be impossible. Anything you make, there's a part of you in that. And this may be the key, or certainly one of the major keys, to that correspondence. We can go back to the ancient Greeks, Plato in particular, but also Aristotle, Socrates, many of the other ancient Greek writers, that said, to know God, you must study yourself. Know thyself was inscribed over the oracles. Why would that be if the oracle is about communicating with God? Because we're a reflection somehow. The threeness in us is a reflection of the threeness in divinity. And it's not limited, as I said, to Christianity. So before I go on and develop this, I want to make sure you're clear on this idea of the mental, emotional, and physical nature of human beings. Your ability to think, to feel, and to act (laughs) out into the world of form is arguably a lower correspondence of the will of God the love of God and God's body, if you will, which would be the physical universe, the galaxies and the stars and the planets and the comets and all that we see when we look out into the uh, cosmos, a word that means orderly, the ordered universe. And there again, universe referring to, yeah, there's three parts, but three parts to one thing. I guess where mysticism and philosophy begins to separate from religion is that particularly the monotheistic religions of the West, Christianity and Judaism and Islam, have this one God as separated and often thought of as a form, with a body, like a human being living very far away on the edge of things. And that is a very, very, very different view than to think of divinity, the absolute creator, the source of life, as being the totality of all things. Uh, Questions, for example, like, could God build a rock too heavy for it to lift, become absurd? Questions of, do you believe in God or not? Are you agnostic or atheist? or All of these questions that we hear debated in religion or debated by agnostics and atheists 
are based on the concept of God as a separative being. And the context is completely shifted when you consider that your consciousness is a subset or a division of the total consciousness that religious people call God, that essentially there's only one of us here, but this one life has an ability to break itself into many little pieces without falling apart. And what allows the one to become the many, to go to pieces without falling apart? What allows your heart to be broken into pieces without falling apart? It's the magnetic nature of love, that third element that stands in the center, the love that is the consciousness, the sun, if you will, S-O-N, between spirit and matter, between father and mother. And I think that's a pretty basic introduction to the Trinity and to the threeness of things. Though, as I say, we find this not only in Christianity, but in all other religions. It's fascinating, really, if you if you look at uh, Judaism, for example, and the the Tree of Life. The uh, the Kabbalah teaches a number of trinities, and, and in particular, Keter, Kachma, and Bana at the uh, top of the the top three Sephiroths. There's a trinity there, and there are other trinities or groupings of three within the tree that is studied in Kabbalah. I already mentioned the three in Buddhism, which is Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Uh, Hinduism has its threeness in many different areas. Sat, Chit, Ananda, for example. Um, let's see, Islam. Uh, the trinity in Islam is the beloved, which is divinity itself. Love, again, the middle element has to be the love or the consciousness aspect. And then the lover, this is the individual, the apparently separated, and yet in relationship with the beloved through love. And so we see in esoteric Islam, yes, there is such a thing, in Sufism, uh, the poetry of Rumi, for example, which to the uninitiated certainly appears to be beautifully romantic, in fact, uh, we have the Arabs to thank for romance because it certainly was not a European idea. You, you, <laughs> Europeans didn't marry for love, uh, generally, uh, especially the aristocracy. Women were property. They were owned by their fathers. Uh, they went along with the kingdom, and marriage was usually a matter of uh, uh, an exchange of property represented power, consolidation of power, a balance of power. And, uh, you know, along comes someone like Don Juan, uh, who is romancing and seducing women, and he becomes this fabled character. It's really the, the Arabian Nights. It's the stories from Sufism and, and the Middle East that we learn about romance. 
sweets and how beautiful and sweet this love is. And yet it's really based on the love of that which is divine, the love of life, our capacity to love. Let me pause here for a second because that phrase alone to me is rich and profound and rarely if ever discussed. Hardly ever do you hear anybody wonder at our capacity to love, to experience love, to be loved and loving and lovable. That capacity, that ability, that longing, that urge that we have within us is quite miraculous and reason to pause and a, a, a great, how shall I say, portal or window or opportunity to reappraise life, to take another look at life. What is this opportunity, this longing, this calling, really, to love, this urge that we all experience to love? And Ruby would say, well, it has to do with that consciousness element, the second part of the divine trinity that binds together magnetically the one and its many different forms of manifestation. And that uh, love is radiatory as well as magnetic and also cohesive. And then, of course, love is redemptive. It heals, it uplifts, it improves. Love is the magic. Love is what it's all about. Love is the path or the way. And that's what I'm really going to emphasize in the premium training today, that all of these different trinities really break down to cause, the way, and effect. The father aspect or spirit is the cause. The material world or the mother is the effect, receptive to the cause. And the magic in the middle is the via. Christ said, I am the way. It is the means through which the cause manifests as an effect. But then you have the effect waking up to this process and through that way coming back again. It's a, the way is a two-way street. So cause through consciousness and love manifests as an effect that then realizes itself through love and returns home again, jiggity-jig, the great Mandela comes around. And again, in religion, this is generally referred to as going to heaven or finding nirvana or, uh, you know, the wheel of fate. And we see this in electricity, too. All energy, of course, moves in a circuit. So the ultimate trinity, I would argue, is cause, medium, effect. And the magic is the medium, the way, consciousness, or the love aspect. Not simply emotional love, mind you. That would be the lower correspondence. But divine love and its many qualities, kindness, generosity, forgiveness, compassion, humility, uh, patience, and tolerance. More in the premium training. I sure hope you can join the rest of us. 
simply go to theagelesswisdom.com, click on webinars, and you can sign up for a single class, or if you'd like, get a nice discount by enrolling for a 13-week term or the deepest discount a full year. And like this program, perpetually in replay, you can even download the MP3 to your telephone or your iPod or iPad. TheAgelessWisdom.com, after the W's, TheAgelessWisdom.com. Let's do a quick little meditation on the Trinity. If you'll sit back and close your eyes, take a nice, slow, deep breath. Ah, Feel the letting go as you exhale. Or employ whatever relaxation and meditation technique is familiar to you. Perhaps even visualize a beautiful place of peace. And initially align yourself with spirit and matter. Think of yourself as being sort of like a bar magnet. And your head is oriented to the sky, to the above, to the beyond, to the source of spirit. As you sit upon the earth, grounded or plugged into the earth, and you are the middle, you are that which sits between sky and earth, between spirit and matter. You not only have a heart and a soul, consider that you are the heart and soul of life. And currently on this planet, this miracle of manifestation exists in seven billion individuals, each being a manifestation of a different unit of consciousness, but still inseparable and always related to and a part of the one life. Christ said, my father's house has many mansions. Imagine many points of view, like a mansion with many windows that you happen to be a unit of consciousness of this one life looking out through your particular window, having your unique experience of life in form as a seemingly separate individual given the body in which you live and the world of separated forms where you live and move and have your being. And sometimes you even feel lonely and alienated, separated in ways beyond simply your physical body. But if you reorient yourself through the heart and think of yourself as a reflection or an emanation of this one life, you can find your way home. 
to the source of love, the source of wisdom, and to real meaning and purpose, which is essentially to learn, to grow, to evolve and unfold, and help other people do the same. It's pretty simple. And with that awareness and that realization in mind, inhale slowly, fill your lungs, remind yourself how easy and wonderful to return here every day. And as you exhale, open your eyes now, wide awake and alert, back in the room, feeling fine, rested, refreshed, and ready to move out into your day. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Do your best to join us if you can at theagelesswisdom.com for the premium training coming up in just a couple of minutes. I'm multitasking here. I'm, I'm entering the passwords right now and setting, setting the event, so that'll take care of that. And we'll meet you at the other website. It'll be on the thank you page if you're going to go and roll now. As soon as you register, a thank you page will come up with the URL and the password you need to join us, either on the web or by phone if you do it live. And then the replay will always be there on the web. Okay? So, most of you will see you over there at the premium training. The rest of you, hopefully, next week for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui.